Hey everybody, welcome to my podcast. I hope you're doing well. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today, and I'm sure it's going to be a great episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. And hey, just as a reminder, if you enjoy what you're hearing, if you like what you heard, feel free to share this with your friends and family, and make sure you send me a message. Let me know what you thought. Make sure you you let me know if there's something I could have done better or something you'd like to hear me talk about. If something stuck out and you really appreciated it, let me know that as well. You can find me on Facebook, Kevin Blaney. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm all over the place, but hey, reach out to me. Send me a text. Give me a phone call. I'd love to hear from you. Guys, let's get on with the show. Well, hello again, and thanks for showing back up. I wanted to talk about something here that's been weighing on my mind for quite some time, and I just wanted to read this off to you. So this is an article. And it was popularized by Pill, uh, by Pill, uh, by Paul Harvey. I believe this came out in 1965. I've read a couple things before by uh, Paul Harvey, and I uh, thought this would be interesting to bring up. The fact of the matter was, uh, you know, with this being so old, being done in 65, um, you know, it's it's amazing how accurate this was. It's amazing how he was seeing it this way back then. And we laugh and say, well, things were really good back then. Well, he could see that things were getting bad at that point, but let's read this and let's see if we can't draw some conclusions about how we feel about life today. So we're just going to go ahead and read down through this. And some of this, um, it wasn't transpired very well. It wasn't written down. Uh, there are some typos, so uh, I'm going to try and read it as accurately as I can, but I might say a, a word or two wrong here uh, just because of the way it's typed out. So let's get started. Now, this is called If I Were the Devil. If I were the devil and I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I had whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I could convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that What's bad is good, and what is good is square. In the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of a distinction. I tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families that war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild until before you know it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs, and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon as I could affect God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute 
substitute, sorry, psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing girls and boys and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I'd killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, and that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep on right doing what he's doing. You know, it's kind of crazy when we think about that. Like I said, this was written back in 1965. And we would think that times back then were so much better than they are today. And I think this is what every generation does. You know, we laugh and we roll our eyes and say, oh, things aren't that bad when we hear our parents or grandparents talking about things. But this was something that they saw from way back. And this just continues. You know, if you remember... Elvis was the big thing that was just it was the world was going to come to an end because Elvis was shaking his hips on screen or, you know, on stage. I remember growing up back whenever I was in high school, Marilyn Manson was the big one that uh, that people were worried about, you know, and I it's not necessarily my type of music. But I do remember a lot of people, you know, saying that that was the end of the world. And now I think Guar Guar was another one that was back uh, before that, whenever I was a little younger. Uh, you know, and now we look at some of these people, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. I can't remember. He was down at Astro world, some rapper that actually said if people weren't getting hurt at his shows, the show wasn't, you know, any fun for him. And you just look at the sickness that is in the world today. And I don't mean to be down and depressed all the time, but I'm, I'm looking at things maybe from a, an older point of view. You know, we have people in this country that don't seem to have any moral compass. I think whenever you take God out of the schools, out of the churches, out of the Congress, whenever we try and say that this country was not based upon Christian evidences, Christian morals, Christian values, I think we do ourselves a great disservice. When we take people who are deeply religious men, who believed in a God, Maybe not in the same way that you and I do, but they, they believe that there was some higher power. And they started this nation because they didn't want to be told who and how they should worship. But now today we've, we've taken the right to worship and we've made it into our own. You know, do, do we worship God anymore? I, I would venture to say no. I know we have a lot of people in this country that consider themselves to be a Christian. And let me first admit I am not the best Christian. I don't read the Bible like I should. I don't pray like I should. I use foul language. Uh, you know, I, I do things that that I, you know, that I'm not proud of. That happens on a daily basis. And I find myself wondering why in the world I find myself doing those things. It's not a, a thing of pride. It's a it's a point of shame. We have people in this country today, and a lot of them work in Washington, and they have no shame. They'll say things and do things, and, and there's no remorse. You know, I, I listen to some people who 
who put down Donald Trump. And I don't mean to get too political with this post. It's, as you know, it's been a quite a long time since I've spoken before, since I put out my last article, since I put out my last podcast episode. But I've heard so many people who who claim to be themselves Christians and say, well, I just can't, I can't stand the fact that, that that Trump just, he says mean things. He sends out these mean tweets. And I think, are, are, are you kidding me? You're worried about what someone says, but you don't seem to be alarmed at what someone does. You know, when we look at the Bible, we, we read about the two sons. You know, the son that says, I won't go, but does, and the one who says they will, but they won't go. You know, it, it seems odd to me that, that we're so worried about the one who says things, but we're not worried about the one who does those things. And far too often, if you look at what these people actually say and what they actually do, you'll find out that some of these people, they accuse the others of doing the things that they're most commonly doing, that they're found doing most commonly. For example, we hear people talking about, you know, uh, subverting the Constitution. We hear about people who are a threat to our democracy. But yet when we look at what some of these people are pushing, it goes completely against our Constitution. It goes completely against our oath to protect this country and to serve this country and our Constitution and to protect that law that we hold dear, to protect that Constitution that that doesn't tell us what rules or it doesn't tell us what laws that we have, what rights we have. Rather, it tells us what rights the government cannot take away. You know, if we look at the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, if we if we look at these things, we're looking at things that say the government shall make no laws. The government, uh, you have the right to bear arms. It's saying that this is something that the government cannot take away. These rights don't come from government. They come from God. And far too often, as Paul Harvey says in here, you know, there's there's a certain point when people say our father, which art in Washington? I believe it was Chris Rock one time that was speaking about uh, Obama and his wife. And he said that uh, Obama and his wife are the president. They're kind of like the mother and father of the country. And, and they're our boss and we just do what they say. What I think he forgets, or maybe he never knew, is that People who go to Washington or people who go to Charleston, West Virginia, people who serve here on city council, people who go into politics are supposed to be servants. They're not supposed to be served. They're not supposed to be the people who we look up to as being greater than us. They're supposed to be our servants. Do you remember before Jesus was crucified, what was one of the things that he had done? You've heard before people would say, if you knew today was your last day, what would you do? What what would you be found doing? What would you find important during those final hours or days? And we would say things like, well, I'm going to do skydiving or Rocky Mountain climbing, you know, ride this bull, all those things that I think it was Tim McGraw was talking about. And, you know, we'd say, well, we want to spend more time with family. We want to, you know... uh, let people know we love them. And that's something we ought to be doing all along, of course. But what you never really heard them talk about is washing the feet. Something that today doesn't really make a whole lot of difference to us, but we could understand, you know, if you go to the spa, if you've ever had a pedicure, 
how nice it is to have somebody to, to take care of your feet. Now that's for people who have been out walking for miles and miles in the dirt and the sand. But also you think about how low Jesus put himself when we say he took on the act or the, you know, the life of a servant. That's what he did. He knew his life was coming to an end, and yet he made himself the lowest in that room, proving to us that he was the greatest who has ever lived. And it's a shame that we have people who, because they don't have any religion in their life, uh, at least not someone who is greater than them, some being that's greater than them, instead they they make their you know television or their television shows or whatever they deem to be more important on Sunday, that's what they make as, as their greater, you know, and I found myself doing the same thing. I, there was a fly-in that I wanted to go to. I thought, man, I'd love to fly to this fly-in, but it's on a Sunday morning. And I found myself saying, wait, well, we could just go early and then be back in time for church. And, you know, I, Sometimes I get into that feeling or that thought that, well, I don't need to go to church today. I, I just don't feel like I need to go. But, you know, the problem is I'm forgetting that the church, going to church services, meeting with the church, not the building, but meeting with the people, meeting with the family. Maybe, let's say I didn't need to go, but maybe someone there needs me to be there. Maybe someone is down, somebody is troubled, they're weary. You know, maybe they're they're lonely. They need that in their life. They need some encouragement. Maybe I could offer that to them by being there. Maybe just saying, hey, hello, it's good to see you today might make their life more interesting, if only for a few minutes or a, an hour or two. How often do we look at what we can get out of a situation, but we forget to look at what we could give, what we could offer? You know, it's a shame that when I read this and I, I hear that it says that he, you know, the devil would peddle narcotics to whom he could. He'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of a distinction. He'd tranquilize the rest with pills. You know, we look today at at, at what people are willing to do to, to find some sense of normalcy. People who will take drugs, who will take illicit substances in order to feel normal. We have soldiers to the tune of 22 a day that are killing themselves because they've seen things that no human being should see. They've experienced things that you and I will never understand. And we, we don't seem to care about helping them. We don't seem to care about getting them treatment. You know, uh, our soldiers, in my mind, should, should have the right to go to any, any hospital, any, any doctor that they please. You know, I, I don't want them to just go to only the VA, and I'm not saying the VA is necessarily all bad, but I do know how the government runs things, and the government is <laughs> the least efficient, not the most. And do we really care about our soldiers? I wonder if we really do, if, if people do, because I tell you, we have people who can just walk across our border, literally walk across it, and they get treated better than those who put their life on the line for your freedom and for mine. Regardless of how you feel about going to war, about being in war, about serving, those people signed their name on the dotted line. They offered to give up their life for this country. 
and we treat them with such disrespect. You know, it's, um, it's not something that I'm trying to be down. I just want you to kind of think about things for a little bit. I think far too often, and I'm going to use an aviation term here, I think far too often we get into a sense of autopilot where we think that we can just sit back and just let life go by. You know, I listen to Jordan Peterson a lot. I, I like watching his videos, hearing his thoughts on things. It's interesting that he seems to have found some semblance of religion that that he was thinking about Christianity and, and it's starting to, things are kind of starting to click for him. And I know the Bible tells us that if we seek, that we'll find, if we knock, the door will be answered. And I, I truly believe that right now Jordan Peterson is, is actually searching. He's thinking, he's looking. And I, I do believe that if he is willing to look, that God will help him find the truth. But I look at him and, and you know, he's, he's, he seems to be trying his best. He seems to be questioning things in his life. And I think that's something we need to be doing. Are we, are you uh, doing this? Is it something I'm doing? Are we looking at our lives? Are we looking at the scriptures to see the things that we're being told are true? You know, there are some congregations out there that never talk to us about eternity and about going to, to, you know, eternal punishment for the sins and for the things that we've done in this body. Very, very, very small portions of the time. I'm trying to think of how to word that. Not very often do we look at our life and look at what we've done. You know, Jordan was talking about how, how much time we waste over the course of a day. And if you ever want to see how much time you waste, just look at your phone and and go and, and see how much time you spend on your phone. You know, as a, as a truck driver, listening to podcasts or playing, uh, you know, videos on YouTube, uh, watching these, uh, these videos, Jordan Peterson videos or debate videos, things of that sort. It's nothing to get eight, 10 hours of screen time on a phone. Are we improving ourselves? Are we looking at ways, not just in regards to Christianity and religion, are we looking to improve ourselves in other ways? Are we looking to, at improving some aspect of our life? One of the things that I've been doing here for quite some time is studying for this private pilot exam, this this. Uh, essentially the oral exam and the, the practical portion of it, the check ride. And I, I feel, you know, burned out. I was so looking to going next week and getting that license to have that license, to be able to fly with my father and, and, and others, uh, who, who enjoy flying, you know, go different places and do things. And I, I feel burnt out, but how much time am I wasting just watching YouTube videos of meaningless things that really have nothing to do with improving my life? And I know I'm not the only one, but I'd just like to, I'd like for us to think about this, to think about these things just a little bit, you know, what we have going on in this country and what are we doing about it? We hear about these things here, about the schools, you know, it says, we neglect to discipline emotions. We have children. I was just listening to this on the on the news. 
it was reported uh, that there are children in these schools who can actually say to their educators, to their school administrators, that they want to be called by a name other than their own name, and they don't want their parents to be aware of such a thing. I'm not saying this happens in West Virginia. I am saying this does happen. Uh, I was listening to a woman giving a uh, giving a talk, giving a, a little uh, episode, giving some insight into the fact that her daughter had essentially been put on puberty blockers without her knowledge. That this girl believed that she she was a boy, she was conflicted, she had this gender dysphoria, and the school was encouraging it. But her mother was never made aware. So this little girl, who I think was 13, was essentially being held back. She was being given drugs to, to change or her makeup, uh, her not genetic makeup, but they, well, I guess, I guess it would be genetic makeup. You're actually suppressing the body's desire, the body's attempt to bring about this, you know, uh, the things that, that we expect that a young girl goes through when she becomes a woman. And we look at these things and, and we look at what the school is willing to do. And the parents have no right, no ability to do anything about it. How sick is this, people? This is ridiculous. And what are we doing about it? Are we going to school board meetings as parents? I say we. I'm not a parent. I've gone to city council meetings. I go to meetings to where I can learn about things, where I can be more involved, more knowledgeable on the issues. How many people are doing that? How many people are looking into the textbooks that their children use some of these textbooks are pushing things that have no right to be pushed in this nation. It's sick. You know, this girl, they found out that the only way they found this out was that they called this girl by, I think the name was Dan. Her name was Danielle, if I believe, and they called her Dan. That's what she wanted to go by was something that sounded more masculine. And the mother found out that these schools can give puberty blockers without letting the parents know. Did you know you can't give a child aspirin or Advil in school without the parents' permission? But yet we can allow these kids to go and abort a life. And I don't want to hear anyone tell me whenever we talk about abortion, and I'm going to make it brief, but I don't want one singular person to tell me about rape or incest. We can look at the stats, and it's about 5%, maybe. Maybe a little bit more. 5% of pregnancies are rape and incest. But if you listen to what Yellen said, if you listen to what Yellen said, that tells you exactly what these people want. Give me one second if I can find this. Because this was sickening. Let me see if I can find what she said here. And I apologize for, uh, I apologize for the, uh, the pause here. But this is important. Here we go. Now, this is from uh, National Review. It says, from National Review, the article is dated uh, May 11th of uh, 22. So two days ago. And it's titled, Janet Yellen's Grotesque Rationalization of Abortion. And here's what the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, says. 
She says, what we're talking about is whether or not women will have the ability to regulate their reproductive situation in ways that will enable them to plan lives that are fulfilling and satisfying for them. And one aspect of a satisfying life is being able to feel that you have the financial resources to raise a child, that the children you bring into the world are wanted, and that you have the ability. How sick is it? These people are no longer talking about abortion being safe, legal, and rare. They're talking now about this as birth control. This is a human life. You know, Ben Shapiro has said this before. He's argued with people who say, well, this child is not conscious. Uh, it doesn't have a uh, consciousness to it. Uh, it's just this clump of cells. So it's okay to, to, to abort it. They don't want to call it a life. They just, they treat it like it's a tumor. And they say, well, it's, it's the woman's right to choose what she does with her body. And you're absolutely right. I agree a hundred percent. It is, it is 100% the woman's right to choose what she does with her body. And that includes before becoming pregnant. We're not talking about a rape and incest anymore. These people are talking about regulating their reprodu reproductive situation. Well, if you want to regulate your reproductive situation, possibly you shouldn't be having premarital sex, especially unprotected. Maybe we shouldn't use the murder of a child in the womb as quote unquote birth control. Isn't it a shame that there are men who are out there having to stand up for the right of, of the life that is growing in this woman? And it's not even the woman's body. This is a child that has its own DNA. It has its own fingerprints, its own heartbeat. I wanted to talk about this, and I didn't mean to go this long, but I wanted to talk about this because, ladies and gentlemen, this is sick. Our nation, you know, uh, Al Gore said the earth has a fever, and he was talking about climate change. And, you know, the, the earth could be cooling. It could be warming. And the extent to which human beings are affecting that is minute at best. And by the way, the United States is not the one causing this. If you really care about pollution, we need to look at what China and India are doing. Because we're very, very little. We're, I think we're maybe 10% of the problem, if there is a problem. But I digress. We have people who care more about animals than they do about a human being in the womb. And whenever I go back to what I was saying about Ben Shapiro, these people would say that we could kill that child. It doesn't have a mind of its own. There's no consciousness there. But, you know, if your mother or your father was was in a coma, if they couldn't react to you, if they couldn't respond to you, if they couldn't speak or hear or know, we wouldn't feel comfortable with doing to them what we do to these children. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to be extremely graphic here just for a minute. My time is almost up. But if you really want to know what happens, look up uh, dilation and extraction. Look up the procedure. Look up exactly how some of these abortions are done. And when you look at the barbaric, in every sense of the word, when you look at the barbaric actions that take place, using forceps or scissors to open the base of the skull, you're essentially holding the child in the birth canal so that you can suck out the contents of that child's brain and then subsequently throw the thing away like it's a, like it's a tumor. 
when you look at what we've done, my goodness, he was right. If I were the devil, I would just keep doing what I'm doing because you know what? We're killing our posterity. We're killing our future. And when people want to talk about how bad Trump was, I, I disagree. I think he was the most conservative president of my lifetime. And I didn't think he would be, honestly. When he won, I thought we were in trouble. But he became the best president that I've ever had in my life. But when we think about this, when people want to say, well, Trump was the best we had, well, you know what? Roe versus Wade, this abortion has been taking place for decades. Decades. Who's to say we didn't abort our next president? Who's to say we didn't abort senators and congressmen who would stand for the rule of law, who would stand for for protecting the innocent, who would stand for our police officers and our firefighters, our emergency personnel, our veterans, people who make a difference in our life, the first responders. Who's to say we wouldn't have more of those people? Who's to say we wouldn't have diseases that would have been cured? But we'll never know because we took the lives of those children, threw them away like they meant nothing. And like I said, this has nothing to do with rape and incest. What we're seeing right now has nothing to do with rape and incest. It has to do with normalizing the murder of the unborn. Once again, I'm going to read what she says, and I want you to try and see where it talks about rape and incest, because it's not in here. Kind of like the words separation of church and state, how it's not in the Constitution either. But see, this is where we're going. So let me read this again. I'll just read this whole article. It's only uh, two paragraphs. And once again, this was uh, Janet Yellen's grotesque rationalization of abortion. The article says the Treasury Secretary's comments to the Senate demonstrate progressives' failure to understand that human beings are assets, not liabilities. It says Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen made some comments about abortion during Senate testimony yesterday that deserve our attention. Here is what she said to Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. She said, quote, what we're talking about is whether or not women will have the ability to regulate their reproductive situation in ways that will enable them to plan lives that are fulfilling and satisfying for them. And one aspect of satisfying life is being able to feel that you have the financial re, uh, resources to raise a child and that children you bring into the world are wanted and have the, and you have the ability. Sick. Absolutely sick. So because I ran over, let me just bring this to a close. It's no longer about rape and incest. It's no longer about the woman and her risk during childbirth. It's no longer about the viability of a child. It's, it's no longer about Down syndrome children that people wanted to abort, which if you listen to their parents would tell you that those are the best, biggest blessings that they've ever had. When you listen to what we've done, killing children, because the doctor says that that child is never going to amount to much. If you really want to see a tearjerker, I want you to watch a show for me. Just go on YouTube and look up a man named Kim, K-I-M, Peek, P-E-E-K. I'm going to look it up real quick because I want to tell you who this man was. This man was a treasure. An absolute treasure. 
According to Kim Peek, or according to the search here on, on Google, it says that Lawrence Kim Peek was an American savant. He was known as a mega servant and he had an exceptional memory, but he also experienced social difficulties, possibly resulting from a developmental disability related to congenital brain abnormalities. So the man grew up in Utah, November 11th, 1951, and died in December 19th of 2009. He was taken care of by his father. The man memorized books. He, he couldn't understand information very well, but he could memorize dates. He could calculate dates. He could memorize facts about our founding fathers, about our presidents, about congressmen, about world leaders, their, their, uh, their siblings, their parents, their grandparents, their grandchildren, their animals, their pets, all these things he could memorize. And you know what they said whenever you watch the video, because it's like I said, it's a tearjerker. He can remember to this day, and I don't know how much of it he understands. I don't know how much of it he understood, rather. But he said that the doctor that was attending to his parents, to his mother, said that he needed to be put in an institution, that he was never going to amount to anything. And you look at what a blessing this man was. And yes, his father took care of him every day of his life. But that father wouldn't change it for the world. You look at how proud that man was of his child, and you look at how sick some of these people are that they would abort this savant, this mega servant. His brain worked in ways that today we still don't even understand, showing the ability that we as, as human beings have, abilities that we don't even know about that, that for some reason we can't unlock. You know, this man was a blessing, not a curse. And we see too many people who are being encouraged. And a lot of these people are girls who made a bad decision. Girls and boys who engaged in sexual activity and didn't take the proper precautions. They didn't care. They used abortion as birth control. And we look at how many people like this can peak. Amazing individuals that are gone. Lost forever. They never had a chance. You know, I heard... Andrew Wilkow say this one time, and, and I will end this. I really didn't mean to get into this topic per se. But Andrew Wilkow said to someone, he said, you know, he was born before, uh, I believe right before or around the time of the Roe versus Wade ruling. And he said, you know, he was an unwanted child. That if his mother had the opportunity, she might have aborted him. And somebody was laughing. They said, oh, you mean your mom didn't want you? How rude. How mean-spirited. Even if it's a joke, who would ever say such a thing? Why would we ever think of a child as being unwanted? I can understand accidents happen. You know, parents who are married, you know, weren't planning on having children. But to say that something is unwanted, that a person is unwanted, you know, this is an innocent human being. This is a, a gift from God. And I say this not even being a parent. I I don't know the feeling of having a child and, and having my whole world change because I have that child and now things mean differently than they do before. I'm speaking to you as, as a person who's never had children. And I can see how special and how much of a blessing there are. they are. And yet we have people who would do this. People who would throw them away like they're 
completely meaningless. Let me say this one last thing. Once again, this is this is so sad. I was listening to a woman talk about her experience with Planned Parenthood. They essentially gave this woman some sort of chemical um, to to essentially to take the life of the child in the womb. So they injected the child with this chemical. And essentially they told her to go ahead and she could stay at this hotel room that they put her in. And if she ever felt the need to evacuate this child, that she was to go to to deliver this child and, and just sit on the commode. And whenever she was done, she could she could call Planned Parenthood and they would send a nurse out to that would take care of everything. She didn't have to do anything. Just don't even look. And I thought, you know, how sad. How sad that 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 this woman was going to pass this child out of her body as though it was nothing more than a clump of cells, that it was nothing more than fecal matter to be flushed. You want to talk about why this country is in bad shape? It's because that's how we treat the most innocent amongst us. I'm not even talking about illegal immigration. I'm not even talking about murderers and thieves. I'm not talking about politicians who do us wrong daily, selling us out to foreign entities for a dollar. I'm not talking about companies going overseas and having you train a foreigner to do the job that you once did. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about the most basic, the most basic building blocks of life. And that's protecting those that are the most innocent. Protecting children. Who are being killed in the womb. When that should be the most protective, the safest place for them. I'm talking about a society that sees that child as nothing more than something that should be flushed down the drain. And people celebrating. Celebrating that. As though it's something that they accomplished. I'm talking about people who who see the ability to just throw this child away at a moment's notice as being the defining thing that drives them in life. People, we, this, this earth, you know what, Al Gore was right. This earth does have a fever. This earth, this world is sick. And it's not anything that the world is doing. It's things that we're doing. You know, I firmly believe as a Christian, it was our job, it is our job to take care of this earth. We are told to overdo, to subdue this earth, to take dominion over the earth. I don't think we should be destroying it. But you know what? Before I worry about the CO2 going up, before I worry about the temperature of the earth going up a fraction of a degree, I'm much more worried about the way in which we treat the most innocent amongst us, our children, our elderly, how we're treating them in the nursing homes, how we're telling these people, that, you know, we're not going to take care of you anymore because you're you're just too expensive to care for. We're, we're not going to give. We're not going to give you the medicine you need. We're not going to give you the transplant you need. It might be too expensive. Whereas I might spend every single dime I have to take care of my parents and to, to help them if the, if the need arises. We have a government. We have a, a medical board, a death panel, essentially, that would say, well, we'll just make you comfortable. We'll give you this pill and and you'll 
you can just be comfortable until till you pass. Folks, things have to change. Like I said, this is not meant to be a downer. It's really not. It's meant to be a rallying cry, a battle cry. It's time for people to stand up. And I want you to, to search your soul and to think about these things. I don't want to hear people tell me that I voted for Trump because I was a cult of personality, that I, I love the man and everything he does. No, I love what he did. I love that he stood for life. I love that he stood for the unborn. I love that he stood for the rule of law and hard work and ethics and morals. I didn't hire a savior. I already have one. And, you know, I treat him with disrespect every day of the week. But it's something that I need to work on, and I'm only to blame for that. No one else. But I think we need to look at what people say and what people do. We have people who sold this country out to China. We have people whose son sold us out to other countries. And you know, I'll say it this way, and I I hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not even surprised that they sold the country out. Some of these people get into politics, that's exactly what they're there to do. I'm surprised that they did it for so little. I'm surprised that they're willing to sell out this great country that I do believe was blessed by God. I believe God had blessed this land at one point. And they not only did they sell us out, but they sold us out for pennies on the dollar. That they thought so poorly, so little of our country, that they're willing to do that. Folks, November's coming up. I'm not telling you who to vote for. What I am telling you to do is to forget about the ads. Forget about what you hear on the news. Forget about what you're being told. I want you to look into what the Bible says. And I want you to see where the Bible tells us that uh, someone who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. I want you to look into how we should be treating each other. How we should value life. God tells us that before we were born, when we were still in the womb, he knew us. And how we have people in this country who are so not even willing but eager to throw that life away. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, you know, they have this saying, sorry, not sorry. I do not see, I physically do not see, do not understand how you could be a Christian or consider yourself or call yourself a Christian and support the murder of a child like that. I don't. I don't care if the child is only expected to live a, a few hours or days or minutes. It's a life. It's a human being. And life is not an accident. It's a gift from God. And like I said, until we can talk about these lives, the ones that are being killed out of convenience, I don't even want to hear about rape and incest. Because those things are the possibility of those things and the probability of them is so minute. So minute that until we find out how we can get rid of abortion for convenience, then, then we can talk about the the rape and incest allegations folks once again i appreciate you stopping by i it's been a long time it really has and just as a quick update um i'm a little disheartened i was supposed to be taking my check ride on the 17th of uh, may and now it's been pushed back um 
sometime in June now because I, uh, my medical expired and, uh, caught me by surprise, but I'm glad it caught me before I glad I caught it before I went to Charleston and, and, uh, you know, made a sad example, a poor example out of myself. So, um, it's disheartening, but we're gonna, we're calling an audible, you know, we're going to get this done and it's going to take a little longer than I expected, but I'm still working towards it. I have no desire to drive a truck for a living. I, uh, I really don't. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to, you know, to, to have more of a life than just work all the time. But, uh, it's going to take some time, but we're going to get there. And guys, I do want to thank you for, for, uh, you know, the comments, uh, that you sent. I, I thank you for listening. I made it through, uh, this, uh, past semester with, uh, three A's and, and, uh, I did get a C, but it was a 79. I'll consider that a low B, <laughs> um, while going to school full-time and, and working full-time, I'd say getting three A's and a C is not too terrible. So, but, um, once again, guys, thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. And please just look into your heart and let's commit to be better. Let's think about what's going on in this nation. Let's think about the people we're looking up to. Let's think about our role models. Let's think about how we can be better and do better. Once again, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. You take care now.